Hey guys, welcome back to the Scott's Morning Show. It's Wednesday, December 5th, 2018, and I did not plan this, but it is St. Nicholas Eve. I didn't know this because they only celebrate it in Europe. We should celebrate it everywhere. Um, But yeah, we're doing the history of Santa Claus today. So, if there are young kids listening, which there probably aren't because I talk a lot of of shit, but if there are uh, young kids listening... They don't want to find out all of Santa's tricks, if you know what I'm saying. So maybe they shouldn't watch this episode. Um, what else do we got? We got 20 days left until Christmas. So if you got to do some shipping, man, get it out there. I still got to do all my fucking shipping. I got, a, got some shit to do around here, and then I'm going to go to the post office. and It's like going to Disneyland, man. You get to wait in all those lines. Go to the post office, the bank. It's like you did two rides in Disneyland. Uh, let's jump through some birthdays. We got Paula Patton turning 43. She played Jane in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. I've only seen the first Mission Impossible. I guess those were remakes anyway, though. I fucking hate Mission Impossible. That show, movie sucks. Um, Heather in The Do-Over. I don't think I saw that one either. And then I did see this, Garona in Warcraft. That was pretty good, man. I, I didn't, don't play the... Warcraft game, but I like, you know, D&D and Magic the Gathering, and I listen to a lot of fantasy audiobooks and shit, and uh, that movie was pretty good, it could have been better, it could have been better, I think, you know, you get, get these movies like this, and they try to fucking target kids too much, and they, it's like the new Batman, you know what I'm saying, they're trying to target all these new kids and shit, when they should be making movies for the fans. You know, even if they lose money, fuck it, right? Make it for the fans. Make it a little bit darker fantasy. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know if they're making a second one of that. I hope they do. Next up, we got Malcolm himself turning 33 today. Frankie frickin' Munez. Uh, obviously, from Malcolm in the Middle, one of the best TV shows of all time. I've been trying to get my wife to, you know, follow in their footsteps. What do we, we gotta have, like, three or four more boys, but, uh, yeah, she doesn't want to have any part in that, (laughs) we only got three boys right now, so we go to Malcolm, then we still need Dewey and Jamie, and then they got pregnant at the last episode, so, yeah, three more, let's jump through some history real quick today, we got 1952, 12,000 people died, um, would die, in the London Great Smog, which was a cold spell that rushed through and mixed with mixed the fog and smog together and came through. I don't know. I didn't look into this because there's a good uh, show on YouTube, Beyond Science. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it. But uh, he goes into this Great Smog and it's pretty good. You got to watch him though. You got to watch him because he like... He'll look at all the conspiracies and shit, but he never looks into, uh, you know, the debunking of the conspiracies. So a lot of the shit he talks about is pretty one-sided. But he's got, I mean, the show's good. It's good to watch. It's fun to watch. Um, And this great smog thing, this isn't a conspiracy. This shit actually happened. So check that out. Next up, 1955, Rosa Parks, and they're short videos. Man, I just blew Rosa Parks off, didn't I? But they're short little videos, man. You'll get addicted. Watch that Beyond Science. It's pretty good, pretty good YouTube show. Um, 
Okay, back to Rosa Parks. 1955, she led the Montgomery Bus Boycott. I have no idea why the hell... I guess her birthday. They celebrate Rosa Parks Day in different fucking states all over the damn country. Different dates. Weird. I don't know. I don't know. You think it would be today, huh? Probably is today in some states, but... Okay, then we got 2017. Russia was banned from the Winter Olympics for doping. Because they were doping... In the uh, 2014 Olympics. I have no problems with athletes doping, right? I mean, they got... Have you ever heard, like, Lance Armstrong or some of these crazy, like, uh, marathon athletes and all these people? They actually get fucking blood transfusions. Like, when they stop at the rest areas, they'll get blood transfusions. And they'll allow them to do this in some of these sports, but they won't allow them to fucking, like... Like, when they say doping, if you research what the drug they're using to dope with, like, I know there's steroids and shit like that, but some of them, they're just, like, they're, like, shit that helps your blood flow and weird, like, medical drugs. It's not like they're fucking, you know, taking a big-ass rail of meth and fucking going for days. Like, it's just, like, weird I, I don't know, man. Their doping policies are fucking crazy. But, I mean, at this point, you know what I'm saying? If you want to be the greatest athlete, I think you should dope away. Do whatever you want. You know what I'm saying? If you can beat somebody on dope, then maybe they should be doping too. But I think that just comes from all this Christian Christian government bullshit where they don't, uh, you know, they want to control your life and tell you what you can and can't do. But... And uh, for the Winter Olympics, especially the Winter Olympics, dude, they should just stop fucking showing that shit on the TV. Put that shit for, like, free on pay-per-view on a different channel if you want to watch it. That shit... I remember when I was a kid. You remember when they did that ice skating shit? That was, like, ice skating was on the TV all the fucking time after the Winter Olympics? So you missed all your shows because you'd watch some fucker ice skating, like... Jesus Christ, what are they doing? I, I could give two shits less about ice skating. Why did his, Why is this taking over The Simpsons? You know what I'm saying? I get, that's, that's why I hated football, too. Like, my whole family are huge football fans, man. But, you know, you'd only have one TV when you were a kid, and football would take over my fucking cartoons. Fuck football. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Let's, uh... Let's get into the history of Santa, and I've already said no children listeners today, but uh, let's let's uh, get into the history of Santa Claus told by me. So, Santa's had a shitload of different names over the years, Saint Nick, Christ Kringle, Sinter Klaus, Father Christmas, and the big man himself. That's just a small list, man. You get into all these other dialects, there's fucking tons of names, tons of names, but... Uh, if we were going to start this from the beginning, we would have to go back to, like, the start of the Germanic languages. So, like, the first recorded Germanic history that we have right now. But, before that, to get into Santa Claus, let's jump back to 300 AD. This is early Christianity again. Okay, so we're going to Petira, Turkey. And this is when Nicholas became Saint Nicholas. So the diocese 
diocese, I'm never going to get that word right, the fucking Catholic head dude, diocese of Myrrh, he was, uh, he was in this church and he looked to the back of the building and he had a vision and the angel told him that Nicholas should be the next priest of Myrrh. <laughs> so, after Saint or after Nicholas became the priest of Myrrh, he soon after that became Saint Nicholas. So, early Christianity, if we're getting into this, right? You have Orthodox Christians and you have Catholics, basically, right? And then they uh, during this time. During this time of St. Nicholas, he was at, at the Council of Nicaea. And at the Council of Nicaea, they used to debate whether Jesus was divine or not. So, I mean, they were basically philosophers. And they were saying, well, was Jesus a real person? Or is Jesus just a story that we're taking as a, a, a philosophy? You know what I'm saying? So, um, that's, that's kind of what separated these churches, right? You got these Catholics that do all this saint worship and they do these rituals. That was the word I've been looking for for weeks now, rituals. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they fucking pray to Mary. They pray to these saints. They do their hail Marys and all this other shit. Whereas Orthodox Christians, they take it, they take the, the book, the, the Bible 100% literal, to where it, everything in it is fact, it happened, you know, everything in it from fucking Jonah getting swallowed by the whale, to Noah and the ark being the only person alive, and everybody in the world's pretty much inbred, Tower of Babel, we got people of all different colors, the whole friggin' lot of it, you know, um, but let's jump back into St. Nicholas here, I went off on a little tangent there, um, so Nicholas would become known as the protector of the people and he was the protector of the faith. So he believed that the Bible was 100% literal. He believed Jesus was divine. Um, so stories of Nicholas started to pop up all over the place. So I, I know a couple of these stories. But there were other stories, um, when he was a baby, he would, they would fast on, I think it was like Mondays and Wednesdays, Christians would fast, it was two days out of the week, and they would say that when he was a baby, he would fast, that was one of these legends, um, sailors used to think that he would save them from storms out in the sea, he could cure the sick, um, but then... These two main stories that I know about, we'll jump into the first one first, right? So, uh, Nicholas had a neighbor, and the neighbor's daughter, they were poor, and the neighbor couldn't afford a dowry for his daughter. So, Nicholas came in, and he put the gold through the window, and it supposedly fell into the stocking that was drying by the fireplace, and that's how we get, you know, putting shit in stockings, presents in stockings and stuff nowadays, but then he did it for the girl's other two sisters too, because if they didn't have a dowry back then, they would have to go into prostitution, so there's the story of St. Nicholas giving the treasure to the three prostitutes, and then this one, we'll go into a little bit afterwards, I got a little story about this, but... <coughs> I'm going to give you 
Okay, so I'm going to give you the modern story of this. This doesn't go back to the original story. This is the modern story, and I'm doing this because I actually wrote a poem about this story and got some uh, some free images off of Google that went with it and bought boxes and these glass pickles and sold this ornament. This is the story of why people have glass pickle ornaments, but... I mean, this was an Etsy scheme that I had going where I was selling Christmas ornaments and, you know, marking the shit way up because I wrote this stupid little poem and fucking uh, had all this artwork and packaging and shit. But here, let's get into it. So there were two Spanish boys, right? And they were walking home for the holidays from school. And they, were, they had to walk through the forest to get home, right? And then when they were in the forest, they came to a fork in the road they turned left at the fork when they, because that was the su supposedly a shortcut when they should have turned right, right? That was the long way. But then they're they're going through the forest and they it's getting dark and they see this inn there, right? So they go up to the inn door and they knock on the inn, and they are the only people there. The innkeeper greets them, brings them in, sits them at the table, tells them they're the only people there. And then they're asking, you know, hey, can we stay here tonight? Blah, blah, blah. So the innkeeper takes them downstairs to the cellar and tells them they can sleep in the cellar. At this point, the innkeeper forces these kids into a pickle barrel, right? And he tells these kids that he's going to eat them, after, you know, while they're in the pickle barrel. He knocks the pickle barrel. So they're sitting in this pickle barrel. And all of a sudden, they hear this loud commotion up on the top floor, and they're stuck in the pickle barrel. It's total dark. And all of a sudden, the lid opens on the pickle barrel, and some guy tells them to get out of it. And when they when they stand out of the um, stand out of the pickle barrel, they see Santa Claus sitting there, Saint Nicholas. He's sitting there, and he tells the boys to hurry home. So the boys are going through the forest. They get to their house and they see the tree in the window. And they get in the house. On the tree, there's a little glass pickle dangling there. And that was the uh, for them to remember that Santa saved their life. That's the modern story told real quick from someone who had to write that poem three fucking years ago when I made those ornaments. I mean, obviously, the story was a lot different around 300 A.D., 400 A.D., but that's basically the other stories. He saved Santa, say, or Saint Nicholas saved these boys from this evil innkeeper that uh, was going to chop them up and put them in this pickle jar. Um, yeah, so he became known, you know, he was known as the protector. He was the protector of children, though. That was like the big thing with Saint Nicholas, right? So even after St. Nicholas died in 343 AD, he was still amazing. He was still fucking amazing, right? So he had this liquid that would leak from him, and they said it was liquid myrrh, and this shit would heal people. They would gather this liquid that was leaking from his tomb, and, I mean, they probably sold it, but, they, you know, the priests would use it to heal people and shit. But I hope to God they didn't eat this shit, because this sounds like fucking pus leaking from a rotting corpse to me. <laughs> I don't know. 
I don't know. Uh, I mean, it could have just been a scam. They were filling the tomb with some liquid shit and boarded it, you know. I mean, who knows what the fuck was happening. This was 343 AD. But, this was so much of a legend that in 1082 AD, a group of sailors from Bari, Italy came and they stole the damn tomb of St. Nicholas, right? And they brought it back to Bari, Italy. And to this day, they still have reenactments of the sailors coming with the, the, they use a picture, a big portrait of St. Nicholas now, but like it represents the casket of St. Nicholas. It's still, to this day, they're doing a reenactment of stealing a dead body. It's fucking crazy. Um, but that goes to show you how awesome fucking Santa Claus is. Um... But, yeah, okay, back after they stole this body of St. Nicholas, these sailors started, you know, they're still going all over the place. They're sailors, and they're telling these stories of the great saint and how he can heal people, and he gives gifts to the poor, and he's the protector of children and all this stuff. And then we're playing telephone, right? We got all these different cultures around the world translating these stories. They're getting retold. And uh, we'll get into this later, but this is this is like the shaping of Santa Claus from St. Nicholas, right? We'll get into the rest after this. So if we if we actually looked to who we could attribute at the beginning of the history of Santa Claus, we would have to go back to Yuletide, right? So for as long as we have recorded history, the first German languages, or Germanic languages, uh, they would celebrate Yuletide, and Yuletide wasn't only the name of a celebration, it was the whole name of the month, you know, December, the darkest time of the year, and just like the Celts believed in Samhain, you know, Halloween, they believed that was the thinnest uh, where the ghost veil was at its thinnest and spirits would come to this world and you could go to that world. That is what the Germanic people believed about Yule time. So this was the thinnest. The, the veil between our world and the spirit world was the thinnest. And every year, the spirit huntsman would come through the veil. And the leader, most accounts of this, I mean... Even when they have different names of the leader, it all ties back to Odin, the Allfather. So we got Odin, the Allfather, coming in through the spirit veil. And he would ride his eight-legged horse, Sleepnish. And he would go house to house, and he would bring judgment. So he would reward the worthy, and he would punish the disobedient. They had, you know, this Yuletide, they had... Uh, Fortune telling, it was a lot like like the Celtic Samhain. I mean, not 100%. They had different shit going on, but when you get down to the core beliefs, it was a lot like Samhain. So now we can see where this is going, right? We got Odin the father riding an eight-legged horse, eight reindeer, deciding who's naughty and nice, right? So now we've got to sort of go back. We've got this Germanic... Germanic belief, and now we've got Christianity coming in here and and uh, converting people and shaping people. Um, and this, I mean, this happened all over the world, not just with Christmas or 
Halloween or any of this other stuff, you know, I mean, it's like, um, Saturnalia got changed into Christmas, the Celtic Catholics, they believe that the, the Fae, they still believe in the Fae, even after Christianity came, they believe that the Fae were, uh, Eve's, Eve's children from a different husband, that, that's a very interesting thing we'll get into, um, some other time, but then you got things like, uh, Santeria, you know, they got, uh, their old god, Santeria, they do a lot of saint worship, and it's like a mixture of voodoo and Christianity, um, but now we've got Odin turning into Santa, so, um, let me get back in here, so we got Christianity and these pagan belief systems sort of melding together, and then, you know, we got these characteristics of Odin riding around, all, um, riding around during Christmas time, Yule time, and he's deciding who's naughty and who's nice, and this Odin character, hey, he must be this great Saint Nicholas, this huge guy, Saint worship was a hell of a, hell of a bigger thing back in the day, I mean, Catholics still do it today, but I mean, it was a lot bigger, these people were, I mean, that's where you get Chris Kringle, Christ means the anointed, Chris Kringle, you've got all these melding with different languages of names of people, and, you know, it's like Odin's flying around, but he, he must be this great saint, so he also gives presents, and he heals the sick, and fucking, you know, it goes on and on from there, you can imagine what's going on here, so, let's get back to it here, I want to go a little bit more into Yuletide, because it's, you know, it's a major part of the holiday, and... Uh, there's a lot more about Yuletide than, uh, than just Santa. So, it's still called Yule today over there in the Nordic regions, but, uh, the Yule Log is one of the oldest, um, <clears throat> oldest things they do over there for this celebration, where they would get this huge log that would be burnt, it would be big enough to burn for the entire celebration, that's where you get Yule Log. Um, and then they would feast, they would drink, uh, they would pay homage to the land gods, like I said, there was a little bit of, um, storytelling and fucking, uh, like, uh, making predictions, what, what do they call that shit, I don't know, telling the future, there you go, um, but another ritual we got, or another, another couple of traditions we got, is they had this ritual where they would sacrifice a boar, and I don't remember what the name of this boar was called, it had a specific name and everything, but everyone would go and they would make their oaths, they would swear their oaths on this boar by putting their hand there and then swearing their oaths out loud, and then everybody would eat the boar afterwards, and I mean, this is why we still to this day have the tradition to eat ham on, uh, uh, I got somebody texting me, I gotta get to this, but let's finish this, so we got the tradition of eating ham, and uh, New Year's resolutions, this is all branching off of this Yuletide tradition stuff, so let me get into this text, we'll be right back, okay, we're back, so now we got the, the story of the great saint circulating all around the world, we got all these different cultures, you know, melding him with their own belief systems, but then we've got the Nordic belief of Odin, he's getting melded together, and uh, so now everywhere, 
not ever, you know, like all over the place, there's these different stories of a Santa Claus type character, right? With all the different names and everything. And that, you know, some of them, he's a tall wizard. Some of them, he's like a, a little elf. And some of them, you know, he's this big fat drunk guy. I mean, that was actually like this jolly drunk guy that was flying around. And like, there's all these different, different belief systems that are going on. But then, in 1823, Clement Clark Moore wrote his poem, A Visit from St. Nick. And this is going to start shaping everything that we know of today. And uh, we know this story is the night before Christmas. Twas the night before Christmas. But uh, Clement didn't claim ownership of this until 1837 because he's in Victoria, England, and he's a Protestant minister. So this this poem that he writes, I mean, this is frowned upon by his peers, right? But then when this poem blows up, it's like, hell yeah, I'm taking ownership for that. Um, hold on. Okay, so now we got uh, back to it. Man, this lady keeps texting me, the new owners of this company. Trying to do a goddamn podcast here. What's more important, huh? That's fucking making... a year or off of this apartment or my goddamn podcast. I'm going with my podcast. Uh, So yeah, we got the stepping stone, the foundation of modern day Santa Claus, right? We got the Twas the Night Before Christmas poem, uh, Clement Clark. He finally claims ownership and this thing's huge. I mean, this is a big hit, you know, it's going all over the place. So now people are starting, everyone's trying to, it's like the Bible of Santa Claus, you know what I'm saying? They're putting, this is the standard of how St. Nicholas is. So now we got something we can agree on, right? Um, but then, in 1863, political cartoonist Thomas Nast's wife reads him the poem. So, uh, Thomas Nast, he's working for Harper Weekly. This is when we get the first drawing of Santa Claus. So now people can actually visualize the same thing. We've got this piece of art. This must be Santa Claus. It was in the newspaper. This shit is 100% factual what Santa Claus looks like. And then it, it just keeps going on from there, you know? Um, then when we further evolve Santa, Coca-Cola artist... And advertiser Hayden Sundblum, uh, he does the final freaking final touches on the character Santa Claus. It's like, I think this is like 60 years later. I don't know why I didn't write the date down. But yeah, so now we got Coca-Cola putting Santa all over everything. You know, people all over the world are seeing what Santa looks like. And then it just keeps going from there, you know, over the years, little by little, we get the Tim Allen Santa Clauses, um, you know, everything just adds a little to every year. But, uh, yeah, for all you people who tell your kids, whether you're a goddamn atheist or a Christian, and you're telling your kids that Santa Claus isn't real, I want you to listen to the great words of Liam Neeson in Batman Begins, a man can be destroyed or locked up, but if you make yourself more than a man, if you devote yourself to an ideal, 
And if they can't stop you, you become something else entirely. Legend. So just remember, you're in a simulation. Santa Claus is no more fake than you are. It's just, I don't understand, man. I got I, one Christian guy I worked for that tried to convert me all the time, told his kids that Santa was fake at like, you know, when they were in kindergarten and shit, and they were walking around telling all the other kids, and he said he didn't want to lie to his kids. Well, you can only believe in magic for a little bit of time in your fucking life, right? We believe in the Bible and all that magical stuff that happened. Why can't you let these kids believe in Santa Claus? I don't understand it. And then atheists, fucking atheists who do no goddamn research into the matter, you know, they say, oh, I don't want to believe in Santa Claus because that's a fucking Christian religion. It's not a goddamn Christian religion. It was a ripped-off pagan religion. I don't. It's fucking a commercialized religion that was invented from a poem, or not a religion, a, a fucking fictional character that was created by a poem and a couple drawings. And then advertised by Coca-Cola. It's a great goddamn holiday. Celebrate. But yeah, that's pretty much pretty much it. You know, I mean, you got... Uh, do a little recap here. We got St. Nicholas, you know, and all the shit he's doing. And then uh, it's mixing with all these different, uh, different cultures and pagan belief systems through the world. We have this Germanic pagan belief system that sort of mixes him with Odin. And then Thomas Nast writes down this version. We get this poem. We get the pictures. Bada bing, bada boom. You got Santa Claus right there. You know? I mean, if we would have gotten like the the Celtic version, he might have been like a a fucking little drunk elf or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. That'd be kind of interesting. Multiverse theory. It'd be cool to see, you know, the Santa Clauses of all the other different multiverses. You got a big old tall skinny wizard and little fat drunk Santa Clauses and all sorts of different shit. But yeah, that does it for, um, does it for the history of Santa today. What do you guys want to hear next? So we can go into the Christmas tree, the history of the Christmas tree. And this is a big deal. I mean, that's why you put the Christmas tree is centered in the house, right? The, all, the whole holiday is based off of this Christmas tree. It's one of the oldest. I mean, it's it's one of the biggest meanings of Christmas is around this tree. Then we got Krampus. Everybody's heard of Krampus, but there are also some other evil spirits. Frey, the, um, the god Frey. She, there's a story where she would walk around and all the bad children, she would come and cut out their insides and film full of hay. I mean, there's, there's a lot of cool, uh, evil spirits of Christmas. I know Krampus got popularized, but even if you've only seen the movie, there's a little bit more back history to Krampus than that movie gets into. Or, uh, maybe we could do like holiday foods or something. I don't know, whatever you guys want to do. On the uh, Christmas celebration, I will look into it and we'll do a podcast on it. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, we're still going to get into get into a little bit more depth from the Victorian age to now with the history and the different TV shows. You know, you got Charlie Brown's Christmas, you got A Christmas Carol. It's all kind of shaped from that point of uh, Clement. Clements, uh, Twas the Night Before Christmas poem to now. That's when, that is when Christmas started getting really popularized again. Because we had 
I guess I guess I still got to go back to uh, to the days when America was first founded and we had the Protestant Reformation and you know they they are banning Christmas. This is fucking uh, Catholic paganism and we don't want any part of it. So there's still a lot more in the history of Christmas coming. Uh, I don't have the time to do it tomorrow, but I would like to do, I don't know, two to four more shows on Christmas before uh, before Christmas is over. So you guys let me know what you want to do. Uh, I've been playing Fallout 76, so that's, that's actually why I haven't been doing a lot of the news lately. That shit's taken over my life. We had to buy a second copy, fucking $120 on this game, so we could play on both Xboxes and start our fucking teams. Game is awesome. Go out and buy it. Buy an extra Xbox if you need to, so you can play with two people. It's fucking... It's it's a great game. They actually... We're really into the Fallout since Fallout 4, but they made a, a board game, a Fallout board game, that is super fun. I mean, it takes a little while to learn how to play this, but you got three or four people playing this game. It's it's a it's an, a lot of fun for board. It's like an $80 board game, but it's well worth it. And they're also going to start a Fallout uh, style like Warhammer game where you're going to have all the miniatures and shit to paint. And I've, I've been looking for this for over a year, but uh, I guess I got to go online and start ordering this shit because none of our comic shops carry it. But yeah, Fallout's amazing. Um, what else I got going on? That's about it. Um, so you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at scotthay86. And don't forget to gently tap that like button to not cause any damage to your phone. Subscribe, leave a comment, and uh, share the fuck out of it. I will be back to you tomorrow. Have a good day.